Welcome to the class about garlic. I come from New Mexico. We um, have a small farm up there, uh, about four and a half acres inside of fence. And uh, that's for the elk. If y'all, that's, you know, deer on steroids. And uh, they're not garden friendly. So anyway, that's, that's our small farm. Um, this is kind of, we're up in the high country. Colors aren't too good on the screen, but that's kind of the area we're in, down in that valley. Um, and I think I said we're called Gila Garlic. We've been growing since 2009, I believe. And uh, that's uh, the story there. And I've always kind of enjoyed being outdoors. Um, I was born and raised in back east. Um, we had a, a horse farm. We raised horses when I was younger and really enjoyed that. And so always wanted to have more. Always wanted to have uh, an outdoor lifestyle and, and really enjoyed that and have just wanted it more and more. You know, when you, um, when I look around anyway and uh, uh, see some rancher friends and, you know, their kids, their four-year-olds are out riding, chasing cows and stuff. It's, it's the way to raise a family. Um, just the, the peace of the country and it's much more wholesome environment, easier to um, not be distracted and, and find our, our heavenly connection. So anyway, I guess through the years it's been, okay, how do, how do I find a, a work that can keep me outside, can keep me involved? And so um, agriculture was an interest among other things and uh, we said, well, let's, let's pursue agriculture some. And we uh, were at an elevation of about 7,500 feet, so it's really cold. And everybody around us, it, it goes down. So everybody else can grow tomatoes, and we can't without a greenhouse. And um, so we're like, what can we grow where we can, um, you know, make use of our climate, have it work for us instead of against us, and uh, that we can actually get to market because we're also about two to three hours from the nearest decent size markets if you were to be farmers markets or, or that, that sort of thing. So we did some research, some uh, friends of ours uh, who are into farming, they're here and um, quite involved with this conference, their name's the Dye Singers, they pointed us in the right direction of, of garlic, said, well, why don't you look into that? And so we did, and um, that became our, our main study. We've, we've done a few other things. We do have a greenhouse, so we've done tomatoes and, uh, and that as well. But garlic has been the main crop. And uh, so um, we might ask, why, why garlic, other than for us, the reasons I've said, um, being it can work for us well. It's, uh, it's funny because people here Oh, you grow garlic. Well, oh man, you must really like garlic. You must enjoy it. And, uh, you know, eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, and all that. I do enjoy garlic, but uh, not that much. It's, it's, it is still a, a spice and not a food group. So um, that's no offense to anybody that likes to eat it by the clove or, you know, wear it for, for perfume or something. But uh, 
really though, for us, the climate had a lot to do with it. So if any of you are from northern climates, um, they're very conducive to garlic. Western climates also, because of the, uh, the soil types and moisture, tend to be conducive. Um, there is a lot of good garlic also grown back east as, as well, but it just you have to tweak your, um, your environment and, and your varieties to match where you are. And um, the other thing that had a lot to do with it is the ability to have it be a cash crop. It's um, right now a very popular crop because gourmet garlic, hardneck garlic, otherwise known as, is um, hard to find. When you walk into Walmart, that's not what you'll be finding. You'll be finding uh, varieties from California, Gilroy, or even China. Most of the world's garlic actually does come from China. So, what varieties? Um, like California, they'll have like California early, California late. Um, I'm not sure what the Chinese varieties are even called. It's just, you know, the white garlic you find in the store. Um, and those are all generally soft neck. So the hard neck is in high demand because it's hard to find and people have found out that there is so many different flavors and um, it can be much more potent. It can, there's some that are almost sweet and uh, some that are super hot, like hottest chili even. Um, and there's, I, I, you hear anywhere from two to 300 different varieties of the hardneck gourmet type garlic. So there's a lot of variation in there. And um, so it's, it's in high demand for upscale restaurants, even people that enjoy gourmet food um, and that kind of stuff. And as well as for its health properties. It um, has some very powerful health properties, which if we have time at the end, I'll, I'll mention a few. But it's a very powerful antifungal and um, as well as um, antibiotic and, and such things. So that was, that was one of the things we were looking for as well as it being able to grow, was it being a cash crop that, that could um, do quite well on its own. When we first started out, we thought, well, we can just do one crop. Now, of course, monocropping definitely has its downfalls. So if you can uh, not monocrop, I definitely recommend you have two or three other crops as well. But it is good to you know, focus on one, learn it well um, from that aspect. So um, just some numbers here. Gourmet garlic sells from anywhere from $10 a pound up to $22 a pound if you're ordering you know, online or whatever. And, uh, and that's for good sized organic seed garlic. Um, organic is important there. And so many of those high-end restaurants and food connoisseurs are willing to go to great lengths and expense to get this stuff on their tables. So, um, and if you're wondering about how much you can grow per acre, I believe it's some, some farms that are very intense have done up to 10,000 pounds per acre of, of garlic. Um, I have not gotten anywhere near that. You have to be very intense and you have to have super good soil. But that's kind of like the upper limit. 
so you can run some numbers there and see how it is it can be quite financially uh, rewarding if you can do that much and do it well which is the key doing it well um, we also like garlic because it's in the ground for for nine months and about four or five of those months you can kind of let it take care of itself, not completely. It's, it's always good to keep an eye on it, but you know, through the winter, it's kind of in a dormant stage. There's no weeds. You don't have to really water, if you have snow especially. Um, so it kind of gives you a little um, buffer there in the winter. Say if you were doing like summer crops and then you planted garlic and you could still kind of leave it through the winter and then use it for your market garden the, the next year when it was ready and still kind of have your winter off, so to speak. Um, now, of course, if you're, uh, I guess that's, that's the, the time investment. The time investment also is if you're, say, growing a thousand pounds of seed garlic, um, you are going to be putting in a lot of man hours. I figure it's upwards of a couple thousand man hours if you're going to manage that much garlic. So though it is a cash crop, you, you're going to have quite a bit of investment time. Um, there's a little bit of, um, you know, equipment costs, but probably not much if you're already farming. And uh, also the, uh, the investment in marketing, because you're going to want to be able to sell what you grow. Um, which, if you're doing farmer's markets and such, you may not have any problem doing that. Um, Another advantage is it's a forgiving crop. It, uh, you know, pretty much if you plant garlic, even if the soil's not good or you didn't water it enough or it got too cold or your mulch blew off, it, it's very forgiving. Um, so it will grow. Um, they like to say, though garlic is fairly easy to grow, it's fairly difficult to grow great garlic because when you're looking to get the large size that the American market requires um, and such things, you do have to have your systems in place and you have to have specific nutrition and, and be on top of things like that. So it is forgiving. It, it was good to learn on for us. Um, yes? What kind of garlic? Uh, great garlic. Great. Yes. Um, What about it? Yes, the uh, elephant garlic actually, since you bring it up, is more closely related to leeks. It's actually not even a garlic, but it does taste like garlic, so that works. All right, so what is gourmet garlic? Um, and I've, I've said a little bit about the, uh, the difference between the Gilroy California garlic and uh, China garlic and hardneck gourmet garlic. Um, the stuff that is imported or coming from Gilroy, a lot of that is actually irradiated and so many of the health properties are lessened if not completely gone. Um, they do that because they don't want it to sprout so that tells you something there and uh, that helps of course with storage but it uh, also is then not a living food, so um, not ideal there. They're also 
a lot harder on it. It's all mechanically processed, of course, as anything when you're doing a large scale. And so therefore you have a lot that they get banged around and bruised and so you lose cloves and have to throw some away. Um, and probably the biggest difference is actually in the, the variety of flavors and, and such. Um, I've, I've heard it said that you haven't tasted real garlic flavor until you've tasted the Ophio uh, garlics or hardneck garlics. Um, it's just that much different and it is very true. Uh, it's, it's pretty unforgettable once you've tried it. And um, like I mentioned, there's about 300 different kinds. So if you like the flavor of garlic, you can get it in many different, different varieties and pungencies. Um, there's, you know, ranging from the very strong in garlic flavor to almost a sweet garlic flavor. And like I said, um, from pretty mild to very hot, um, which the garlic flavor they call pungency. So there's, there's the heat and the pungency, and you can, they vary through the different varieties. And uh, creates plenty of entertainment for the taste buds. So I think just briefly it might be handy, and I wish I had a, a picture of it, to, to give a, a rundown of how the garlic varieties are uh, laid out or relate. Um, so you have Allium satvium, if I'm pronouncing the Latin correctly, which is garlic in general. And then you have your softnecks, which are the, the satvium, if you want to abbreviate it, and uh, the ophioscorodrons or, or something like that. I'm not very good with the Latin part which are the hardnecks. And so many of the hardnecks come from um, Central Asia, Siberia, places like that where it's cold. And um, the softnecks probably at one point were very closely related, but because of location and climate, they have adapted and become the softnecks. And there's a couple soft neck varieties. There's artichokes, which is generally what you'll find um, if you were to go Walmart or you know any of your other grocery stores. And there's Asiatics, which are a semi-soft neck, generally fairly soft, and silver skins. And then you have the semi-bolting, which are the turbans, the purple stripes, which include glazed purple stripe, marbled purple stripe, and porcelains and rockamboles. And there might be some others out there, but those are the main uh, handful of divisions of the varieties you would see if you were shopping for hardneck garlic or gourmet softneck garlic. There's also gourmet softneck garlic, which um, can be more precisely grown than the stuff in California or, or China. Um, so let's assume that uh, you decide garlic is a good fit for you. Um, what, what, is, what do you need to know? And uh, we can run over that. So if you do decide that you want to grow garlic and you want to grow great garlic and add it to your repertoire, I guess there was a couple pictures I could show here 
of our farm. The colors are pretty bad on the screen, but anyway, that's my family. And this is garlic. Those are all hardneck bolting varieties. The bolting varieties have the scape on top. The flower stock, basically, is what that is. Yeah, it should. I haven't worked out the marketing for that, but yes, people do uh, sell those, and they're um, also a very high dollar crop when you have the proper market. But if um, if you're going to sell them, you have to market early, and you have just a short period because they're not prime for more than two or three days. So you have to be really good, good with that. Yes. New Mexico, up in the mountains, about um, 7,500 feet. So. Yeah, we'll we'll cover that. What 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 I'm going to cover now is we're going to go through the basics of basically your soil, and then how to know what kind of garlic you want to grow, and then how to plant it, time of year, all that what to do while it's in the ground, and then harvest, cleaning, uh, storage, and, and hopefully that covers everything to kind of give you a jump start. We only have about an hour today, and uh, it's, that's why I've brought some, some resources everybody should come take, take note of, um, because we can't cover it all in an hour, so you're going to want some books. I guess the first one, before we start out on soil, is Growing Great Garlic. This has been my primary go-to go book for all things garlic. Um, this guy's really done his research. His name is Ron L. England, and um, he grew for a lot of years when garlic first came to the U.S. from um, Asia and across the ocean. And... Um, really learned how to do it well. He grows great garlic. And so that's, that's the main one right there. Um, another one is called The Complete Book of Garlic. It's a, it's a big book, basically a picture book with illustrations um, and explanations of the different varieties. Also a real good book. And um, those are probably the main two there. And I'll put them up. Well, I'll, I'll put some resources up on the screen at the end, and you guys can take notes if you didn't catch that um, there. So the most, the most critical thing, of course, is, as farmers or those looking to farm, we know is, is soil. If you don't have good soil, you know, you can't have good produce. You, you have to have good soil. It's the biggest thing. It affects um, every aspect of, of your crop from, you know, how big it gets to its pest susceptibility to its flavor, uh, how much water you're going to have to use. So it's critical that you have good soil. And like I said, garlic isn't super picky, but it does need certain key things to maximize its size and flavor and storage life and those things. So. Um, I guess a good way to illustrate this is uh, I've been working my soil for, for a few years now, but I was in this one plot this year actually, and because of how the weather went and my soil not being just perfect, 
I was trying to harvest garlic by the end of harvest out of an eight inch cinder block. And that just really isn't good for the garlic or the farmer or anything. So um, it, it is critical. Um, you probably want to do your soil prep at least a year in advance, start getting that soil ready um, and building your organic matter and such. Two is better. Um, <laughs> our first year we had learned about garlic and started studying about it during the summer and had said, okay, yeah, rah, rah, let's do this. And so we got some ordered before it was all gone and started uh, knocking trees down and pushed, pushed uh, an open spot in some virgin timber and tilled it up. And so we went from in September uh, timber to, oh, I'd say end of November, we were planting garlic. And that's not much soil prep time, but that's jumping in feet first. And uh, so sure enough, you, you harvest the next year and most of it is not, not big enough to, to be viable for sale. But, you know, it, it, we jumped in and started and started learning what it needed. And um, we did plant quite a bit, but, you know, we didn't try to plant a whole acre the first year. Um, or, oh my, we'd, we'd have been in trouble. So, um, I guess that brings me to, to starting small. Don't bite off more than you can chew or more than you can lose, afford to lose. It's kind of like investing. Don't put something out there you can't afford to you know, it's always a little bit of a, of a gamble uh, when you're, you know, investing or farming, but you, you don't want to overextend yourself on it. So, you know, if you, if you buy 100 pounds of seed garlic, that's a lot of seed, um, and is probably more than you need to start experimenting with. Um, and if you're just home gardening, you may only need a pound or two to supply your own needs. Um, so really, start small, five pounds, 10 pounds, experiment with that. That's still quite a bit of garlic. But on the other hand, you know, we took that first crop and we, of course, we fought the, uh, we fought the trees and we fought the rocks and then we fought the, the weather and we fought, we fought about everything trying to get it in in that two month period. Um, and it didn't come out great. But it's a survivor. That's the great thing. And, uh, well, we started in about September, the two-month period, um, and had it in by about the end of November. And, um, you know, it might seem like a failure at first, but it's, it's a learning experience, and it's, it's still going to grow. So you can do something with it. You can enjoy eating it. Um, hey, even make garlic powder if you need to. Um, it works well. It just um, doesn't sell as well. It's the American psyche is bigger is better. You got to have these great big uh, bulbs of garlic, and um, yeah. But most people that have enjoyed gourmet garlic for a while and even grown it will tell you that the actually the little stuff stores better. It'll keep a quite a bit longer because um, they tend to be firmer bulbs and it also tends to have a more potent taste and flavor and heat and all that. So um, it's, it's not all bad even when it's small. It's just not as marketable. So one of the kingpins of soil fertility is your organic matter. 
you've really got to have pretty good organic matter. Garlic likes about three to four percent at least, and that uh, you know that nice sandy loam with organic matter of about three to four percent, it's going to support a good size market garlic. Um, of course, soil is a continual project. We're always always working on it. You rotate your crops and work on it again. You plant garlic, and then you work on it again. So, you know, we aim for that range of organic matter, but it may not be ideal every year or your first year, but that's kind of the ballpark you want to look for when you're um, amending your soil um, and putting in your compost or whatever you're going to use to increase the organic matter. Um, of course, it's helpful if you don't know what your organic matter is, take a soil test. Um, and, and find out. And then there's several things you can use. You can do um, organic compost. You can use cover crops or, and green manures if you have the time. That's ideal if you're going to be a couple years out and you know you're going to be planting there. Definitely um, get several of those crops in, mow them, till them under, because um, that's very helpful for your soil and uh, also sustainable. Where we are, we've, we used uh, quite a bit of horse and cattle manure as well. And that can be really good, but we found being as rural as we are, we had to drive quite a bit to collect it, and so it wasn't very sustainable. It, it costs a lot to be driving around picking up the manure. So, um, you want to watch out for those things. That's why growing a cover crop is probably less than having to drive around and collect those. Another thing we uh, used is alfalfa hay, just fresh, you know, green alfalfa hay. Um, we'd buy it by, well, our trailer load, and we'd put about, I think, 50 to 100 bales per acre, and we'd chop it up and till it in as kind of a stopgap measure to, to lighten your soil and add organic matter quickly um, rather than over years. You want to still do that, you know, and give it time to break down. So you want to be doing that, you know, two, three months before um, you're going to plant. So do you have big soil? We have, it's, it's kind of a sandy loam. It's, it's got quite a bit of sand in it. But then it has just enough clay that when it gets dry, it gets hard. Um, so, yeah, it's not not clay like we were used to in Indiana or or places like that. Yeah, it it is good in that it it drain wells. It, it uh, drains well and has it does have its advantages, but it does have disadvantages too. I'm trying to picture you're talking about this fluffy soil, and then you talk about garlic seed. Are you talking the garlic cloves. Um, so she's asking about um, when I refer to garlic seed. Am I talking about the the seed that is produced there in the, at the end of the scape or the flower stalk, um, or if I'm talking about the cloves out of the bulb? And what we uh, have always used is the cloves. You break apart the bulb and plant the cloves. Um, you can use the, the seed from that stock. It just takes 
18 months to then produce a bulb. It takes quite a bit longer, and you'll be starting kind of from scratch where it'll be small the first year, and then um, as it acclimates, it'll get big again. So we've always opted to plant with the clove, from the cloves. It is. So before you buy alfalfa, because it's a great source of nitrogen and stuff like that, but a lot of it now is GMO. Yeah, it's, it's true. And I'm not sure, I think they've been working on that for a while. We did use it. I'm not sure that ours was um, certified GMO free. We've, we've moved away from that since we started, and we're kind of uh, using it as almost a stopgap measure because we're a little behind. Um, but the last couple years, we haven't done that. So, ideally, like I said, you want to grow your own. That's, that's the best way. Um, she was talking about the, the issue of a lot of alfalfa being GMO alfalfa, which, which is unfortunate but true. How many flowers do you have? Um, we have a nine-foot flail mower that we after we spread it out in the field, we just run over it and chop it up. So, I suppose... That's how we've done it. I don't know, you kind of have to, I'm not sure if a bush hog would work or, or what else you could do to use it, but it's, it's an idea. What are you using currently? Currently, we are using some, some products that I'm gonna try to, I'm not real good with the science side of them, but it's um, basically the principle of using plant proteins. Uh, There's a local guy that produces a product where it's basically the building product, uh, blocks of nitrogen for your soil, which is protein. And um, along with, I'm wanting to say, uh, ah, what's the name, the chemical name of it? Basically, um, Carbon. I remember the product name, so sorry. I'll have to get back with you on that. I should have had it down. It's something we've been experimenting with more recently. Um, that works fairly well, but I'm not totally sold, so that's why I'm emphasizing still do your cover crops and um, organic composts and such things. It's a good cover crop as well if you can grow it. We aren't too successful at growing alfalfa. Um, but yes, you could try growing your own alfalfa even if you can find GMO-free alfalfa seed. Generally does fairly well in most soils and it's really great to build your soil because it has very long roots and it goes down and breaks things up. And, um, so basically if you have soil that's not ideal, you could try growing alfalfa and it would probably help. So all that being said about tilling in some organic matter for your, for your fields, I've always been cautious of, of tilling. You don't want to tear up your soil too much. You know, every time you till, it takes that topsoil and moves it down, and you tend to lose organic matter whenever you till. So we, we try to minimize that as much as we can. So after we, say, have a cover crop we mowed, or we have alfalfa we're putting under, we, um, we don't rototill it. We'll actually disc it in because it's a little easier on the soil. Um, and then right before we plant, we use the tiller like once or twice to make the beds. 
So that's just something to be aware of that, you know, you want to take good care of your soil. And there's um, been some really good classes going on about soil here, I know, um, that have a, um, many things you can glean on how to make it the best. So those are some options to coax that organic matter up to uh, the optimum level. And the other thing with organic matter before we move on is garlic doesn't like to have wet feet. So if you have a real heavy soil that's going to get wet and then hold that water, you, you may end up with um, fungal issues, rots, um, molds that, uh, that are hard on your crop. So you want to um, be aware of that and either make sure your soil drains well or um, do something like raised beds, um, which can work as well, just uh, to avoid those problems. And so the other thing garlic needs is nitrogen. It's a fairly heavy nitrogen feeder. And um, we've, we've used a few different things. Again, like if you're using something like the alfalfa hay, that's going to add nitrogen, um, as well as your cover crops. And um, your manures can add some as well. Um, garlic likes nitrogen at about, let's see if I can remember. I believe it's 800 pounds of nitrogen per acre um, is what it tends to do the best with. You don't want too much because, again, it'll, it'll burn it and your plants will be funny, funny colors. But you do want the optimal amount so that it can focus on growing its green um, quickly and get that done so it'll, it'll bulb well. Um, and again, those numbers, I believe it's about 800 pounds of uh, actual nitrogen per acre. So, something to pay attention to. Um, when we started out that first year and had a couple months we, um, to, to amend our soil and get everything done quickly, we did the alfalfa hay and searched around for other nitrogen sources. I know um, blood meal is a good source. We used just a little bit of that, but we opted more towards, that year we opted towards soybean meal for a nitrogen source because it's, it's a long release and um, it was something we could get a hold of. We opted for the soybean meal. Um, again, alfalfa is a great source. We've used alfalfa pellets and um, again, you have the issue of the GMOs with both of those things that you'll want to watch out for. Um, so, I believe you can get them organic, but it's fairly expensive. But basically any of your, if you were to go to, say, Peaceful Valley, uh, their website, or Johnny's, most of those kind of uh, fertilizers and nitrogen sources, they'll have NOP standard organic fertilizers that you can use. Um, Garlic likes a yes. So what the gentleman was saying was the, for instance, they have 80 pounds of actual nitrogen per acre, correct? Um, naturally, and so if you're shooting for 120, 
when you take your soil test, you know, okay, I have 80, so I only need to add 40 pounds of actual nitrogen uh, per acre. And also that it probably has a lot to do with the rainfall when you get rainfall because that pulls nitrogen out, out of the atmosphere into your soil. So very, very good information there. Um, as well as the nitrogen, garlic likes a pH of about 6.8, somewhere 6.8 or a little on either side of that um, is okay. Uh, and that's what it finds, it finds optimum. And really, I think if you have a good balanced soil and you've done your soil test and taken care of that nutrition, your, your pH probably starts to balance out naturally. Um, but it's something to be aware of when you, when you look at your soil testing. Oh, oh yes, that, that should need fixed as well. Um, and as far as micronutrients, garlic, you know, it may seem that it needs extra selenium and sulfur. It, it doesn't really need extra. It's, it's a feeder, so it has very long roots and it, it, it likes to pull things from your soil. So you don't really have to add extra. If you're deficient, of course, you probably want to go ahead and amend to the soil test again. But um, it, it doesn't need a, a boost of those things. So it's, it's a survivor again. And it'll, it'll mine out a lot of the, the little stuff, the um, nutrients that it needs from the soil. And I mentioned earlier about jumping in big with both feet and, you know, buying 100 pounds or 200 pounds of seed garlic. Um, and that's really tempting because, boy, we could just do this now. And, uh, and then next year, nine months from now, we'll have this great big crop and we'll, it'll, it'll sell great and uh, it'll totally change our farming, um, whatever the case. Just, again, um, watch out that it doesn't overwhelm you. Um, most, a lot of small farmers, you know, whether you're going from just growing enough for you to eat up to, you know, I believe the definition of small is, I can't remember the, the exact definition, but medium starts at about a thousand pounds. You're going to grow a thousand pounds of garlic. And um, generally, that 1,000 to 1,500 pounds of garlic, once you jump into that range, is pretty difficult. Um, you end up, you have to hire, you have to mechanize at least some of your functions. Um, you're going to need a couple extra hands and, and so on. So the management, if you can do small amount well, doesn't necessarily mean that being a medium grower is going to be easy to do well. So, so watch out for that. It, uh, it can be overwhelming once you jump in and, and drown in the garlic. As I mentioned, there is some soft necks that are still gourmet garlics and pretty popular. Um, there's a couple of them that are uh, still nice and spicy and pungent. Um, so we still grow some artichokes and, and some Asiatics. It's, it's nice to round out your, your repertoire because the artichokes tend to keep longer. So if you're doing farmer's markets all summer and you'd like to be able to have garlic as long as possible to um, offer at your stand, or you have CSA and you want to offer garlic as long as possible, it's good to round out because some of the hardnecks, say a rock and bowl, for instance, will, they don't keep as long. 
Um, so you're looking at, you know, they start to go soft or, or sprout starting in November and December. And often by the end of January, they're completely done. And that's all, I'd say most of our hardnecks are done by the end of January if you want premium quality. I mean, there's a few left in the bottom of the barrel that we'll eat, but it's not, you know, a viable uh, product necessarily. So that's something you want to think about when you're picking which varieties to kind of have a nice selection. Um, you also want to look at your climate. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're at 7,600 feet and we get uh, safe frost dates of about June 15 to September 15. So that's a climate that is fairly cool. We have fairly cool nights well into the spring. And um, so that's conducive to the hardneck garlic. It's used to that more northern weather or mountainous weather. What latitude are you? I'm trying to remember. It's about 36 something. It's about the same as Tennessee, right through the middle. Um, so, and she was asking what latitude we are, just so everybody can hear. Um, if, you're, if your climate is warmer, I get uh, a few customers that call me up or, or order, want to order garlic and they're in Houston, Texas, or I've had some in Florida, North Carolina, places like that. And um, they, I, maybe part of it is I'm in New Mexico, oh, you're a southern grower, so we can probably grow what you grow, um, which is, is somewhat true, but of course I have the cool weather and they don't. Um, so when, when you're considering your climate and you're warmer, say you're in Florida like we are right now, you're going to have probably better success with artichokes. They do well where it's warmer and they might be a little more forgiving for the extra moisture and, and the soil. Also, um, there's a variety called Creole and those I personally really enjoy their their flavor and they tend to do well from what I hear in southern places and places with a lot warmer weather that don't get much winter. They don't do really well for me because I'm so cold so I have a hard time growing the seed to sell to my friends that um, are in Houston or Orlando but uh, it's a good option so if you can find a grower and you're needing that kind of seed look for artichokes or creole um, some of the silver skins as well would do um, fairly good in a warmer climate. And that's something that we started out originally with 50-some uh, varieties. I'm wanting to say like 56 different varieties of garlic um, to experiment with which ones would do well for our climate. Because, you know nobody was growing right there. Some of the closest garlic we got was from three hours away. Still a different elevation. Some we had shipped from Washington. And um, garlic needs to acclimate. So, you know, you buy your seed and you experiment. Grow it for two or three years, three years probably minimum, and see how it does for you. Because the first year you plant it, if it's from further away than down the road, it's probably going to get smaller just because the climate's different and it's 
doesn't know what to do with that. Um, so give it a chance, replant from your seed, save your seed, so that um, it can acclimate. And within two or three years, you'll see if it's really worth keeping. Um, that's that's kind of how we started out in selecting uh, by, well, this one grew really well for us, has big bulbs. Um, this one tastes really good. They're not quite as big of bulbs, but it tastes good. Um, so, so experiment and do save your, save your seed because that's how that, how that works. Um, we're down to about 30 varieties, 33 varieties now from, from 50 and still looking to trim it down further, hoping to get down to about 15 um, of, of the top varieties that we find sell the best and grow well for us. So. What varieties are you guys selling? Um, people, like I mentioned, I have people that call me up that are from southern latitudes, like we are, and um, so I always try to recommend the Creoles to them, or, or an artichoke, but um, I like the Creoles a little better personally, just their flavor, um, and they do keep fairly well, uh, not quite as good as an artichoke. So the, the question was about uh, what varieties sell the best for us. Yes? Is there like a Close to you. Um, that tends to be. I've heard there's some of those, but the the question is if there's like garlic associations or how you find out if there's close growers. Um, there's some states that have them. Our state doesn't necessarily have associations. Um, I was going to say the farmers markets because the local garlic we did find was. I don't know how my dad found him, but he is, farmer's market was his main mode of uh, sale. So check out your farmer's markets um, and any other kind of growers network in your area and somebody may also have garlic. Um, hopefully that helps. And another thing to keep in mind is what you can sell well. Do you have a farmer's market or are you shipping? So like if you're on the web and shipping a lot, it's maybe good to have a, a name that's recognizable um, of garlic, like uh, Rock and Bowl Russian Red. You know, people are going to recognize that name. Whereas if you're at a farmer's market, you may be able to sell a local garlic quite easily that doesn't have as recognizable of a name. Like uh, we've grown a New Mexico top set for a few years. Most people wouldn't recognize that, but the locals, it could be something they would appreciate if you have a face-to-face -face interaction and and can make that sale. So those are some of the things to consider when you're looking for what varieties you want to start experimenting with. And of course flavor, you know, try out different flavors, see what you think, and, um, and see what all your friends think too. <laughs> Have a garlic tasting party, it would, uh, and then we'll see how long you stay friends. Um, Oh, and I guess the one more thing you might consider is, is storage length. I did mention that just briefly. But you want to uh, pay attention to how long each kind stores, and you hate to have it all go bad at once, or you, you want to uh, pay attention to that as well. So, how much do you need for seed? It's a good question. Um, you want to give your garlic plenty of room to, to grow. If you want it to size up, it's got to have room to not bump into the next bulb. And you don't want them sucking nutrients from the space that's the other bulbs. 
So the general rule most places I've seen is small as three inches apart. Um, general rule is four to six inches apart between your bulbs. Um, I think four is too small, so we shoot for at least six. Um, we have 30-inch beds that we use with 30-inch walkways. So 30, 30, and then we can rotate and put our, our beds where our walkways were, and it, it gives us a little more latitude to move that way. There's actually, I don't know if you can't see it in that picture, but there's four rows in 30 inches spaced at six inches apart. And in those rows, it worked out how my marking system worked that they're about, it's a little more than six inches in each row. Is that I think we're about, he's, he's asking if this is a normal spacing. I would say it's about normal, maybe a little less intensive than some go. And the ones I was saying that can grow 10,000 pounds per acre would certainly be closer together. And they would certainly be growing, um, you know, they wouldn't have any room for growing small bulbs. They would be growing all big stuff to get that much. But yeah, this is a little bit bigger than typical. Just as we've been working on our soil, we, we went ahead and left that spacing a little more roomy. So we have... And that's the, the rows, just in case you need to know, that's center to center. So six inches center to center when, you're, when your bulb grows. So um, our, each of our beds is 400-ish feet long. And so if you do the math, you have four rows and about every six inches uh, in that row. So each row, let's see, 400 feet long, and there's two bulbs every foot. That's 800 per row. So it turns out to about 3,200 per bed, 3,200 bulbs when you get done. Um, now, that's a real rough estimate because we don't generally get that many in our beds for whatever reason, um, whether it's, you know, you leave space between varieties or, you know, you're going a little further than six inches. So that's a rough estimate. Yes? How long are your beds? The, the beds are... How long? How long? Yeah. So each bed is 400 feet long. And you know, you work with whatever. It's, this is the style we've done. Um, we did the 30 inch beds because it works well with our tractor and we have mechanized some. Um, but you know, you may be working with 24 inch beds or you know, 36 inch beds, whatever, whatever the case. But that can kind of give you a rough idea. Um, and you know, you don't even have to plant them in rows. Some people, you know, if they have great big beds, they just fill in. and. Yes? What's the depth? The depth, uh, thank you, because that was there and I just looked right over it. Um, we plant at two to three inches to the bottom of the clove, so you want to have, you know, a good bit of dirt on top. Where we are, if you don't do that, you have the frost heaving and you end up with your cloves on the outside of the ground and it doesn't grow very well. So two to three inches to the bottom of the clove is what we go with. Uh, that'll be a little bit dependent again on your uh, soil type and your, um, your weather. So a clove is generally, you know, it's small and tall. And when I measure the depth, I measure to the bottom. So it's two inches from the bottom of the clove to the top of the dirt. Um, and, or two to three. Sometimes we go deeper uh, depending on the size of the clove too. If you have to orient your, your cloves, which direction, 
um, you do indeed have to orient them, especially on the hardneck varieties. You have to put the pointy part up and where the roots are, down. Um, if you don't, you end up with hard necks that are U-shaped and your garlic is about half the size it would have been. So it's very critical and that's one of the reasons that hard neck garlic is not mechanized very much. It's still mostly by hand because they haven't, at least that I've seen, found a machine that can plant it right side up every time. Um, now, that's not to say that the human machines that we use can plant it right side up every time either, but we, we try to get close. That's actually how I know that they are half the size when you plant them upside down, because we've done it. Um, but yeah, fairly important that you, you get them right side up and that you get enough dirt on top um, as, as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish running us through um, basically from top to bottom of your purchasing the garlic and then, or selecting, purchasing, getting it uh, popped and ready to plant, planting, mulching, uh, all that. So I'll, I will cover that. So I figured for a bed like I was talking, for my, my scale, it's about 64 pounds uh, for 400 feet for the whole bed, four rows. Again, he's asking about how many pounds do you need to buy to plant a certain distance. That would be about 64 pounds is what I figure for one of my 400 foot long beds. The, the scapes are, they are very important to take off on almost every variety. There's a couple of varieties that it doesn't make a huge difference. But the other thing with scapes is if you take them off at just the right time, you can sell them and monetize that as well, which is pretty important. Um, so just quickly wrapping up here, once you've selected your garlic, you um, get it ordered. You want to order in about, start looking, you know, April, May, because these places are opening up quite early and because um, you want to be ready to plant pretty quickly in, in the fall. Um, you all know how to probably break a bulb apart, take the wrappers off, break the cloves, and we do a, a soak and a rinse that you can stop by my booth and ask me about if you're interested, that uh, helps cut down on disease and adds a little boost of uh, nutrition for each clove. Um, and then we, let's see here, I'll show you a picture of our bed marker. Sorry for trying to fit too much information in a little time. So we uh, had tried many different ways of stringing out the beds, but you want to have a nice consistent way to plant, so we invented one. And, and it works pretty good. We just put it on the front of the tractor and we actually sit on the back of the tractor on some forks. So we've, we've mechanized a little bit. So, um, so when you go to plant, get your spacing, however you're gonna do that. If it's smaller, you can just put strings out and, you know, and put it in, poke your holes and, and set them in. Um, cover it up neatly, put down your dripper line if, you, if you're gonna do drip tape, which where we are I recommend, um, rather than aerial where you lose a lot of the water. And uh, then the mulch. I like to mulch about um, two to three inches. You, yeah, um, I actually like to use uh, grass hay. Straws a little bit, for us it blows away too much. So we've kind of moved to the grass, which is a little better. 
Yes. So pretty much as soon as, as soon as you plant, pretty much you can mulch after you get your water on there. You want to get it watered quickly, and you want to go ahead and put your mulch on in the next, I mean, it doesn't have to be right away, but soon. So you don't get very much water, rainwater. Right. Okay. So if you get, right. yeah, the question is about rainwater. If you get a lot of rain, you don't have to worry so much about watering it right away. Um, well, and the mulch, too, because I've, I've blackened my, mm. I'm in 40 latitude, and I've blackened yes. my garlic by mulching. So yeah. how much rainfall you actually get. And how cold it gets. How much your how cold, yeah. and, and how much snow, how much water, period. So, I want to get you guys wrapped up and out of here, hopefully. Um, that's, that's some really good points on the mulch. You do have to be careful, again, garlic doesn't like wet feet, so if your mulch is making it too wet, you need to pull your mulch off. Um, I do find you don't want it to be too dry either, though. If it dries out, you'll have little bulbs. So you want to get that balance, about 50, you know, I think it's about 50% soil moisture. Um, you don't want to be able to wring it out, and you don't want it to just be hard. Um, so that's, it's in the ground, covered up. You get to wait till next spring, water it or hope it rains, and start monitoring things. Weed pressure is something that is important to think about. Garlic does not take weed pressure well. Um, so you want to keep your, your beds weeded. That's another reason for mulch. Um, it really helps us keep ahead. Go back to water. How much water per week? They say about an inch per week. So if you're getting rain, you can kind of balance that out. Um, and I'd say that's pretty accurate to what we've found. Again, it depends on your soil and how much it's going to hold. And you want to check your moisture down where the roots are, not up on top when you're checking how wet your soil is. Because I can have it bone dry on top and it's mud down low, and then I'll get those issues of black, black rot and, and things like that. So pretty much keep the weeds away. Do descape like um, our friend here said. Do it before they get real hard, and it'll save you some trouble. Um, and then harvest when, be right with you. Um, watch, watch your bulbs. As the leaves start to dry, harvest when there's still about six green. Or start checking your bulb size before that. That's the most accurate thing. Dig down and check and see if your bulb is the size you want. If it's not quite big enough, leave it a few days. So, at that point, you can harvest with a fork. Yes. Two weeks. Uh, she was asking about pulling off water. Um, we do that for you. Harvest two weeks. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.